1: Early in 2015, it's more and more important for the voices of family caregivers to be listened to, to be heard, and to be understood. And early in 2015, there are opportunities like never before, especially in North America. That's because governments want to do more for families, which is a very welcome development. But the problem is that the things governments want to do for families give too little attention, or maybe no attention at all, to family caregivers. So then the question is, what should family caregivers do to get the attention they so rightly deserve? Well, one thing, family caregivers should get their voices listened to, heard, and understood. And also, they should get their voices responded to on specific issues. And I'm going to give you... An example. The example is this the ways in which healthcare systems are trying more and more to reduce the time that patients stay in hospitals. So they are sending patients home, more patients home, to the care of the family caregivers. They're doing that because they've recognized, have these healthcare systems, that they can save money because it's less expensive to look after patients at home than it is in a hospital. The result is of all this that more and more family caregivers are striving more and more to care for their loved ones with serious illnesses for which there is no medical cure. So more and more family caregivers are caring for family members living at home with serious mental illnesses which which are what I want to talk about today. Now, with these and other issues, and there are other issues, what's getting more and more obvious is that family caregivers have challenges that should be recognised, respected and responded to. That family caregivers as individuals, groups and communities need to have their voices broadcast widely if they're to get the recognition, respect and responses they so rightly deserve. And it's also more and more obvious that family caregivers can be helped to overcome the challenges they experience with the help of new research, which I'm going to talk about. All of which is why our topic, Voices of Family Caregivers, is important for family caregivers and their family members living at home specifically with serious medically incurable illnesses. Now, as I'm the, my own guest for this episode, here's some background on me, a kind of bio. I founded Family Caregivers Unite as an internet radio talk show broadcast by Voice America, which is the world's largest producer of original internet talk radio programming. I founded Family Caregivers Unite with the intention of empowering family caregivers by amplifying their voice, spreading their vision, and publicizing their value. I founded Family Caregivers Unite also because I understand the importance of family caregiving from my own family experience arising out of a family history of schizophrenia. I wanted Family Caregivers Unite to empower family caregivers by providing them with information that they can trust, information that is understandable to them, and information that's useful for them. I also wanted Family Caregivers Unite to provide family caregivers with a way to get their voices heard. Now, I've made some progress. Voice America reports that as of December 2014, Family Caregivers Unite reaches over 875,000 listeners in over 127 major regions worldwide. But I want to do much, much more. Now, if I talk about the major regions worldwide, I'm including China. And the last time we looked at the data, there were 65 listeners in China. Now, uh, I wonder if they're real people or whether this is cyber spying from China, but I shouldn't make political jokes like that. Now, one of the things that I've recently started to do is setting up e-qualitative research. That's because of my own experience of listening to family caregivers sharing their experiences on Family Caregivers Unite. What I mean by sharing their experiences, they're talking about their been there, done that experience. This is what I personally experienced, is what they're saying. This is what it felt like to me. This was how the situations presented to me. These are the challenges that I found myself confronting. That's what we mean by experiences. Now, I founded e-qualitative research based on my experience as a medical researcher and from my own work as a physician. Um, I wanted to do the quality research, to do the research that's necessary to really understand the experience of family caregivers being family caregivers for family members living with serious medically incurable mental illnesses such as those I've mentioned. Now, as I said, I've founded E-Qualitative Research based on my experience as a medical researcher and also from my own work as a physician. Now, in terms of qualifications, I hold the British equivalents of the North American PhD and MD degrees and also the LLD Honoris Causar from Canada's Simon Fraser University. So, let's talk about the serious medically incurable mental illnesses I'm focusing on. What are these? Well, one of them, one of the three, is Alzheimer's disease, which is the commonest form of what's called dementia. And dementia is where things go seriously wrong in the brain, in the way the brain understands, functions, sees, perceives, and it generally behaves uh, as we know, Alzheimer's disease is very much feared because of the way it affects aging people, although it isn't always aging people who get it. There's such a thing as early onset um, Alzheimer's, dementia, and we've done episodes on that too. But the fact is that there isn't a cure And the pathway of Alzheimer's disease is deterioration in which the mental functions are more and more affected where the individual is not able to think, make decisions or even it can get this bad, cannot even recognize their own relatives. It's a tragedy, it's hugely burdensome for fam- and worrying and alarming for family caregivers and it's a serious problem. Family caregivers are fundamental to the care of Alzheimer's disease when people with it are living at home. Now the second medical medically incurable condition I want to talk about is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder um, or disorders um, this is the damage to the unborn child caused by alcohol consumed during pregnancy it's extremely controversial there's a question of whether men in their drinking contribute to fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. But there's no question about the severity of this as a mental illness. Here's how it presents. I'm a man, so I'm going to talk about men, males, A male of 21, 22 has all the hormones, the muscles and the strength of a 22 year old. Um, but because they have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, they may have a mental age 10 years below their physical age, which means that they easily, far too easily, get into trouble, get into trouble with the law, and create nightmare after nightmare for their family caregivers. And then the schizophrenia, which... As I said before, we have a family history of. And this is where, for some people, schizophrenia um, is a condition whereby the brain suddenly takes over or takes over rapidly, generates voices in the head so that the person with schizophrenia is basically responding to voices that nobody else can hear Giving powerful advice to the individual. And sometimes that advice is terrible and frightening because it leads the individual to do awful things like kill people. Now, that's not everybody with schizophrenia by any manner of means. It's probably only 5 to 10%. But nevertheless, schizophrenia is a serious, challenging condition and it's serious and challenging not just for the people who live with it but for their family caregivers so what we're now talking about is a whole series of mental changes you know if you run them across the line alzheimer's disease fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and schizophrenia and they have some things in common and one of the things in common Um, is that it may, and I'm going to discuss this more later, bring people into the hands of the criminal justice system, which brings the whole family into the criminal justice system. So what we're talking about now is something that is a major challenge for our time. It always has been a challenge But now it's becoming more and more of a challenge, which is why I've wanted you to listen, please, to this episode where I'm talking about voices for family caregivers, because the first thing that we need to take into consideration is whether family caregivers are getting the support they need to deal with these sorts of situations. Now, it's time that we take the short break. This is where I always say I, um, we have to pay the rent, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Adler, your host. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back.
3: Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zock Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zock Show on the Voice America channel. Conservation
4: starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss.
0: Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic is Voices of Family Caregivers. Now, I want to talk more about the the challenges to family caregivers and their family members living at home with serious mental illnesses that are medically incurable. Now let's talk more about one I've already mentioned and that is the idea that healthcare systems can save money by sending people home sooner. The medical terminology for this, in Canada anyway, forgive me for this, is send them home sicker and quicker. The problem with doing that, as I said before, is that um, the burden then on family caregivers increases and goes on increasing simply because the conditions are medically incurable. The unfortunate, if you like, socially unjust part of it all is that the healthcare systems take far too little notice of the ways in which family caregivers are actually subsidising their healthcare systems. And the healthcare systems take too little notice of the physical, psychological and at times financial exhaustion that so many family caregivers experience. Especially especially in caring for family members with serious and medically incurable illnesses. Now let's talk more about these three illnesses these three serious medically incurable illnesses and how they burden f- family caregivers I talked about Alzheimer's disease now one of the things as many of us know and many as many of us will have seen in our own family is that individuals in a, when with advanced Alzheimer's disease may wander. that is, they may get up at night, they may go out through the, through the door, and they may walk down the street, and they may be killed because they walk into traffic because they don't understand the problem, um, or they may um, simply get lost and nobody knows who they are or what's happened. And therefore, the family goes through distress and stress, wondering... First of all, what's happened to the family member, wondering whether it was their fault that the family member wandered, and wondering how in the future they can prevent this happening. It's extremely stressful and extremely burdensome um, and it's something that family caregivers who are devoted to the family member um, really do um, suffer suffer very much. Now, let's talk about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. I've already said to you um, that the problem there is that a fit looking young man or young woman in their early 20s um, may have a mental age half of the early 20s and therefore be hugely at risk of things going wrong, and then particularly of being exploited in such a way that, um, for example, a crook comes along, recognizes that um, uh, this young person, young adult, um, is extremely naive and will basically do anything he or she is told to do. So the crook uses the unfortunate young person, young adult, to go and commit a theft or something of that nature. Then when the young person is arrested for the theft, what then can happen is um, um, the police can then ask the young person in effect to confess to the theft, to take responsibility for it. And the young person being naive and not really understanding will say yes. So that's how the young person gets into the uh, criminal justice system. And that's how they get into what in Canada are called detention centres, where they're not actually accused of... Sorry, they're not actually found guilty of anything. They're just locked there because, unfortunately, the families don't have the money to put up bail to get them out, to bail them out. So here are people with a sad, destructive, harmful condition locked in jails even though they've not been found guilty of anything. Now, when they get into the court, they are inclined to say yes to everything, which means they will be found guilty, even though they were not in control of themselves or the decision making when, whatever it was, the crime was committed. Now, let's talk more about schizophrenia, and there are some parallels here. I've already mentioned that some people, ten, five. 5, of them get these psychotic episodes. That's where the voices in their heads tell them to do things which can be terrible. Now, every so often we read in the newspapers an account of a young adult, normally a male, but not always, um, has slaughtered somebody um, for no real reason. Now, I'm going to give you a particular example, which the the person involved, the mother involved, um, has been a guest on Family Caregivers Unite, and her story was is that she's the mother mother of a young, very young child, as I recall, about four or five years of age. Living next door to her is a woman with um, schizophrenia, known to experienced psychotic episodes. One day, the young, the young boy was playing in the space between the two homes. And the woman with the psychotic background came out of the house and stabbed the little boy to death. When the woman who did this was asked, she said, well, I used to have a little boy as a son and... He died and I think his soul has been swallowed up by the little boy next door. And therefore, um, I killed him. Now, this is the worst kind of aberration and the pressure on the mother. Uh, And she has a most amazing story because she actually is arguing for leniency in situations like this but that's a whole other story of the way in which people respond to these terrible situations now let's talk about something different and that is the challenges for family caregivers caring for family members living with serious illnesses the challenges in communicating with mental with Healthcare systems, mental healthcare systems. <clears throat> the communication problems occur when the family caregiver, um, usually the mother, sees signs that their loved one is going into a crisis. Such a psychotic episode um, is, you know, very difficult. Um, now, um, there's a problem here in that unless the parent has what's called substitute decision-maker status. um, The healthcare system, the psychiatrist, the psychologist, the social worker will too often refuse to answer the question, provide any information to the worried mother. Now, on February the 3rd, 2015, I did an episode on Family Caregivers Unite, which is titled One-on-One Support for Family Caregiving for Schizophrenia. And one of the guests, or both of the guests, basically agreed on this. Their advice for the psychology, the psychiatrists, the professionals is, that we want you to listen to us, not to talk to us. In other words, they want to get their voices heard. And then there's the final one. Then there's fear that if they, among family caregivers, if they are too loudly critical of um, an institution, a facility or a service, the care received by their loved ones may suffer. And I learned about this while working with my new project, eQualitative Research. Now, a recent piece of investigative journalism describes a healthcare culture still straight-jacketed by an old-fashioned hierarchy, fear of legal action and a focus on punishment rather than learning from mistakes. That keeps missteps, medical errors bottled up, say health workers. And the article quotes a nurse as saying, as admitting that we do turn a blind eye and walk away. Now, Scheduled for Family Caregivers Unite for March 10, 2015, is Dr. Tejal Gandhi, President and CEO of the Boston-based National Patient Safety Foundation and President of the Lucien Leap Institute. She's going to speak about shining a light on patient safety to talk about those things that are going wrong with medical errors. Now, we've reached the point once more where we have to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, your host. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back.
3: Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zock Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zock Show on the Voice America channel. Conservation
4: starts with us.
3: Learn about environmental concerns
4: each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss.
0: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome
1: back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic is Voices of Family Caregivers. Now, let's talk about the ways in which family caregivers can strive to overcome the challenges to them and their family members living with serious mental illnesses that are medically incurable. Now, here's Gordon Adderley speaking. Family caregivers can, or dare I say should, get organized locally, regionally, state or province-wide, nationally and internationally, to get themselves recognized as providers of care for some of the world's most difficult illnesses so they get their voices heard. Um, Get themselves organized. Now, let's say a little bit more about that. Through the organizations at every level, those organizations I've just mentioned, family caregivers can dare I say, should generate clear, concise, and convincing messages about the value of family caregiving and the needs of family caregiving. Now, through the organizations at every level, family caregivers in groups can select leaders able to get the message to the key decision makers. Like Dr. Etel Lord's, experienced-based leadership with the International Caregivers Association in Maine, which she described in her broadcast on Family Caregivers Unite on January 27, 2015. That is to say, getting organized, getting leadership, getting groups is the first step in getting the attention that family caregivers need. Now, third thing, through the organizations at every level, family caregivers can and, dare I say, should take on the issue of families, family caregivers and family members who, as a result of serious mental illnesses, get caught up with the criminal justice system. Um, I've already talked about this and painted a grim picture of young adults in a criminal justice system who aren't guilty of anything because nobody can find the money to pay their bail. But it's worse than that. That is to say, the criminal justice system does have health care services, but criminal justice systems tend to be overworked, overloaded and generally overpopulated. And so that these these healthcare services, these psychiatric psychological services, try as they will, may not be able to give a give the full service that's going to be required, first of all by the individual who's in detention, but secondly going to be required by the family struggling with this challenge. So then the question is, well, what kind of help is going to be needed in those sorts of situations? Well, here's one. Spirituality. One of the organizations that I help promote is called Sharing the Burden. It's a story of Two people who through spirituality not only conquered their own alcoholism but also um, lived with their son who was an alcoholic. And this is a perfectly published story. I'm not betraying any secrets. But then as a young adult under circumstances that the family did not understand. Um, he died. Whether it was an overdose, it was an overdose of fentanyl, a very dangerous, um, you know, painkiller. But how this, it actually occurred, what the circumstances were, they don't know, and will likely never know. But what they realised was what got them through this situation this terrible situation was spirituality and so what they've done is to set up this organization it's on the web called sharing the burden where they provide connections with people in situations like this that i've just described but they go a stage further they organize themselves and the their supporters and the people they work with to visit these detention centers and meet with the detainees and lead them in a prayer session. It's prayer, it's spirituality, but it isn't specific to any particular religion. It's just an appeal to the idea in human beings who are in trouble that there is hope, there's something that lies beyond where they are at this time and that can be helpful to them. And back to my friends in sharing the burden, their visiting is successful. That is, not everybody they include in their sessions, their prayer sessions, comes back. But enough do and enough say that was helpful to give my two friends and their colleagues that sense that, yes, they're being useful in a situation which lies outside the scope of the bureaucracy, of the justice system and anything else, but is functioning at the human level. And that's enormously powerful. It's a wonderful story. And it's a story that um, I have given airing to on Family Caregivers Unite on several occasions. Now, what I'm talking about here, let me go back over the whole thing again. I'm wanting to say, look, the way to see the challenges to family caregivers is to recognize their needs their burdens and also their skills, their insights. For example, with the mental illnesses like schizophrenia and fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, the mom, usually, not always, usually, the mom, is the eyes and ears. She's the early warning system. She's the one that's going to notice that things are going wrong. And she's the one that, first of all, wants action. She wants to be listened to and she should be listened to because that way disasters can be avoided altogether or if that's not possible then certainly minimized. So what I'm saying now is more and more we have this opportunity now for family caregivers to give family caregivers that sense that they are being supported that there are people who are listening to them and that there are consequences that are positive and useful now here's another story going back to alzheimer's disease from family caregivers unite which shows em- emphasizes the idea of hope here is um, a retired firefighter whose wife is very far down the road with Alzheimer's disease to the point where she cannot distinguish between the wash bowl and the toilet bowl. And he is her family caregiver. Um, I recorded, did a recording for the show, listening to him asking him questions about the family caregiving. And I preceded those questions by asking him to talk about his life with his wife because as childhood sweethearts, they were very, very keen dancers. Um, he talked about how, how the much they enjoyed dancing, how they went out, their lives of childhood sweetheart as childhood sweethearts, the joy in their lives, um, and we talked more about his work as a family caregiver, and what came across was a very, very, very impressive story. Now, after this show had gone to episode had gone to air, he, he called me, and he said, "I want to tell you something." He said, when you were interviewing me, my wife was sitting next to me on the couch, city, and when I was talking about our lives together as childhood sweethearts going dancing, he said, my wife snuggled up to me. And the joy in his voice as he said, that to me was so powerful, I shall remember it for the rest of my life. But it also is one of the factors that's now understood, and I'm not saying that it's understood because of my particular episode on my particular show, but it's now understood that there are moments of joy that can be evoked in the memory of people with even the most serious forms of Alzheimer's disease so in other words there's hope it's not hope of cure it's not even hope of uh, any sort of recovery but is it is hope that like spirituality there are moments where there's happiness there is a sense that there's something else and there's something which brings great comfort, obviously to the person with Alzheimer's disease, but also to the family caregivers. So that's one of the broad conclusions that I've drawn about the value of getting family caregivers to talk about their experiences and to put them in the space that I call the archive so that other people can listen to them now we've um, come to the time once more where we have to take the break so we'll do that this is dr gordon adler your host you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety channel cjmp 90.1 fm community radio and sharing the burden which is what i was talking about dot ca please stay with us we will be back
3: Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zock Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and, yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zock Show on the Voice America channel. Conservation
4: starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss.
0: Are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic is Voices of Family Caregivers. Now, dear listeners, I'd like to share with you what more I intend to do to promote promote more and better support for family caregivers and their family members living with the serious mental illnesses that are medically incurable. So this is me kind of making my commitment to family caregivers. Number one, I intend to attract More and more family caregivers as guests for my show, this show, Family Caregivers Unite, by working with other organizations with a similar interest. So we help each other help family caregivers unite, join together, form these groups, get leadership, get organized, get their messages across to who bureaucrats to politicians to decision makers and by bringing guests onto not just my show but the shows of other organizations we can definitely help that process along so that's the first thing second thing i intend to do is to make more and more use of my new research project e-qualitative research and i'm going to use it to create something I mentioned before, an archive of experiences of family caregivers Unite to help them develop the messages they want to get out. Now, all of those uh, episodes of family caregivers Unite that I've mentioned, and I'm going back to the the one about the retired firefighter and his wife with Alzheimer's disease. That episode is in an archive, meaning, or an on-demand library, um, meaning that it's for as long as the money is there to keep that electronic archive going, and that should be for as long as we can see into the future, um, then that episode of that story of that family experiences, that family's experiences with Alzheimer's disease is there for all to hear. It's not only there for all to hear, it's there for research. That is to say, using very sophisticated computers and things like that, we can start making comparisons. This this episode was recorded three or four years ago. Let's listen to another one that's been recorded more recently. Are the things that the firefighter was saying about his experience the same as those that are being expressed or described by somebody who's living now in 2015 with that experience? We can make comparisons. And as the archive gets longer and longer in years then the more valuable it gets because it enables us to trace not only experiences but attitudes uh, but behaviors, the things that people do say, believe in, where they look for help what happens when they look for help the kind of response they get from my profession of yesteryear medicine and all others how open social services are how open to them um, have been their psychological services and all those kinds of things which give us that measure of change are we making progress are the stories of the experiences that we're hearing more positive now than they were four or five years ago. Let me give you an example of a different kind. Um, I did an episode um, three, three or so years back when, for MS, you know, um, multiple sclerosis, there was this new treatment called um, liberation therapy. Um, Everybody was very enthused about it because this is another serious incurable illness and anything that looks like a cure is vastly, vastly well welcomed. Here was a man talking about the discussion that he was having with his wife who was well down the road with MS and he was discussing the questions that he and her were having about whether to go for this new therapy. Now, here we are, four or five years on, no, four, three or four years on, and the treatment, the liberation therapy, has been largely discontinued. It's largely gone. So here we've captured a piece of history in our archive, which is going to be valuable, not just in history of MS, but also in the history of the kind of questions that family caregivers and their family members ask themselves when a new therapy comes up. Now, the final thing that I, I uh, intend to, to do um, my, my my contribution. I intend to encourage more and more of you, my family caregivers, giver listeners, to my, to be my guests for Family Caregivers Unite. So you you can share your experiences with other family caregivers. In other words, I want to recruit you as guests to share your experiences, partly to put you your experiences in you, you, you can be um, um, named or you can be anonymous, your choice, um, into the record so that other people can at any time listen to what you say, listen to your experience and compare that with their own experiences and we can all learn for those comparisons. There's more to it than that even. There's the point that um, my profession takes medical histories. You've all been to doctors and you've all had your medical history taken. Um, And that medical history is based on what doctors know about an illness. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what may be missing is that the information about the way in which the illness presents, develops and affects people, Um, may actually sound different when you're asking family caregivers and family members to describe their experiences of it. So in other words, the kind of research I'm talking about, which would flow from you, my family caregivers, listeners, being my guests, would actually be helpful to physicians, to the medical profession, and indeed to all who are working to... Provide care, provide treatment, and provide new knowledge for the serious, medically incurable mental illnesses we've been talking about. So here's how to connect with me. Please email me at docg at dot org. Docg, it's all lowercase. Docg, or one word at familycaregiversunite.org. I will respond to you. I would love to welcome you. And I would like you to feel that by volunteering for this, you are helping other family caregivers and others who are wanting to help family caregivers. Now, we've unfortunately come to the end of this, at least for me, it's unfortunate we've come to the end of this um, of this episode and so I want to say thank you to our listeners for listening I want to finish with a final call to say please do connect with me to volunteer and then I also want to say that our next episode will be methadone clinics and caring for persons with addictions please join us same time same spot on the internet talk to you then